It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, we're going to recap game two of the preseason for the Oklahoma City Thunder. The Bucks played their entire championship level roster. How did that go for the Thunder, who shook up their starting lineup again? Another young face finds themselves in the starting five for your Oklahoma City Thunder. Lou Dort was on fire. SGA is back and so much more on today's Locked On Thunder on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. Your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, site expert over at thunderousintentions.com, media member Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LO Thunderpod. Email the show, LO Thunderpod at gmail.com. Call into the show, 405-362-7128. On today's show, we're going to dive into the Thunder preseason game number two against the champion Milwaukee Bucks, who played Giannis, who played Drew Holiday, who played Chris Middleton, who played their entire actual physical roster in their first home game of the year. And it didn't go great for the Thunder, but that was expected because they're so young and have so much to grow. Thank you for making Locked on Thunder your first listen every single morning. We're here for you, covering all things Thunder basketball. Now, the game overview is where we start, that we always do. And of course, Giannis played, Holiday played, Middleton played. But for the Thunder, Derek Favors was out, still on that return to play plan. Vic was out, still with that visa issue. And then Kendrick Williams was out with a toe issue. Now, I would not read too much into the Kendrick Williams injury. It sounds like it's nothing. Mark said Monday that if it was a regular season game, he probably would have played. The thing about Kendrick Williams is that he has nothing to gain from practices, from actual preseason games. Like, There's not much more of his game that you're going to develop, develop and get more out of him. His game is based around playing phys- you know, physically, being an emotional leader, a physical leader, a hustle player, his game is really conducive to beating up his body because he's going to be diving on the floor, scrapping for loose balls, coming down hard off, you know, trying to fight for those rebounds. All those things rack up on your body over time. And for a player who has no more upside, like if if you get the Kenny Hustle you got last year, that is the apex. That is the peak of his powers. That is just what you're hoping Kenny can be again this year. So there's nothing really to gain from Kendrick Williams and rushing him back to practice, rushing him back to the preseason, because he has nothing more to show you. And in fact, the only thing left hanging in the balance here is what kind of three-point shooter will he be? Will he be that elite level uh, type of three-point shooter for his role that he was last year? Or will he kind of level off back to where he was the first couple of years of his career? That's the only thing left to know about Kendrick Williams. And you're not going to really find that out in a four-game sample size 
in a preseason sample size. So there's no real point to rush him back. And maybe he'll be back on Wednesday. Maybe he won't. But I wouldn't read too much into Kenny Hustle being out. With Vit, same thing as Poku last year. I should say same thing as Tel Maldon last year. And same thing as Gabriel Deck last year. It's a it's a visa issue. No one knows when it will be solved. And, when, and whenever it does get solved, he'll be able to play and be with the Thunder. And then Derek Favors, return to play, injury, maintenance, whatever you like to call it, similar to Kenny Hustle. I, I don't, I'm not ready to say that it is a uh, full-on tank move or they're not going to play him at all this year, but Derek Favors is what he is. And, and that's why he'll be traded once someone needs a, another big man because there's no holding on to his value. There's no trying to gain more from his value. Everyone in the NBA knows who Derek Favors is, the kind of player he is. He has nothing more to prove, and he has no upside. So in this time period, whenever you can play all these different different players, and you can have 20 people in your roster, and you have all these fives, why would I give any minutes in the preseason to a five in Derek Favors who can do nothing for his stock and nothing for our team whenever I could look over here and try to play Mamadi or DJ Wilson or any of these other young bigs that Thunder have and just get them more time. So it's interesting that he still hasn't played yet, but I wouldn't go too far with it just yet. I and mean, he's made it clear he wants to play here. He's made it clear that he does not want to pull a, you know, Trevor Ariza type of move where he doesn't even show up or Iguodala with Memphis. Uh, I think that he'll just play limited lately. That Horford did last year where he'll play opening night and then probably won't play the next couple games and play again in a few games from that. Just that kind of cycle is what we're in for and not necessarily anything more than just that. And, and the preseason does nothing for favors at all. Absolutely nothing. Now the highlight of today's game was not only being the lone ESPN game of the year. And luckily it was because having national people forced up with the thunder is just nails on a chalkboard. But the important thing was the starters. So SGA, Lou Dort, Josh Giddy, and Baisley remained in the starting group. And I feel confident that's going to be your core for the starting group against Utah on October 20th. That's just going to be who's going to start. The question is that five spot. And in this game, Mark started Jeremiah Robinson Earl over Isaiah Roby, who he later did not even play at all in this game. Uh, and it was his decision not to. Roby was fully healthy and active as we found out after the game was over. And I've been telling you to watch out for this matchup. These two players are very redundant. And I think that Jeremiah Robinson Earl is a better small ball five right now in his career than Isaiah Roby. And you saw that with how comfortable that Shea was with Jeremiah Robson early in that two-man game, the pick and pops, the pick and rolls. And Mark was able to use JRE uh, more easily in that Al Horford role that you saw early last year whenever he used JRE today as kind of that facilitator in the high post, the top of the key, that dribble handoffs, things like that. It was, it was easier to do for a guy who you feel better about a shot than you do Isaiah Roby and is a better kind of playmaker in general, more comfortable playmaker than Isaiah Roby and JRE. So all these little things add up. And you saw that Shea was almost kind of forcing it to, to JRE. You know, he was open, but he was kind of like purposefully looking for that two-man game early on in this kind of game here, in this preseason game. I like JRE that he has a steady heartbeat. Like he, this guy is just steady Eddie. He's gonna, he understands what he needs to do. He's comfortable. He's confident. And nothing stood out more than on a driving kick from Shea. Shea kicks it back out to Jerry. It was a little off target. So Jeremiah Rumpster had a sidestep. He sidesteps, gets the ball, gathers, and then goes up in a shooting motion with a guy closing out very strong on him and then nails it. That kind of fluidity, that kind of poise and maturity is something very hard to find in a 20-year-old and very hard to find on this roster 
And so that really helps him as well. I was impressed with what we saw from Jerry, even as he only goes two for eight from beyond the arc, only scores six points, three assists, and a rebound. Obviously, defense is a big issue, but they're not really game planning to stop anyone defensively right now. And no matter who you play, you're going to be vastly undersized at the five. So you're not going to have any rim protection whatsoever. There's a few moments where it looked like Jerry kind of messed up the rotation. And that is where the small ball lineup really hurts your team defense. Because it puts so much stress on your defense to get all those rotations right. Because if you cannot defend the rim and then you also blow a rotation, it leads to a wide open Grayson Allen drive down the lane on the uh, baseline. And you just can say easy dunk. Like those things add up in the team defense. You have to be so perfect in every other area if you're not going to be great at all at rim protection. So the rotation will be iffy. He's a rookie. He's still learning that and kind of gauging that with who he's playing with on the floor. But that's an instance where the small ball lineup for now uh, really hurts you because you have to be so perfect and you don't have that roster construction yet of guys who are going to be perfect on those rotations. A few times, you know, he kind of rotated onto the guy that Dort was already on. And so then Dort had to kind of scramble and go to the guy that, that JRE was supposed to go to. And it just led to an open shot. And it's just kind of in no man's land at that point with your defense. They've got to get that more crisp if they want to continue in the small ball five and they have to run the small ball five. That's what their entire roster is based on. They don't have uh, very many traditional bigs. So that'll be fascinating to watch moving forward. But this is a great storyline to follow. I wouldn't read too much into this yet about the rotation and about Roby not playing and about JRE playing instead because Isaiah Roby was very good on Monday. He was very, very good. Um, JRE was very good as well today, but I think that just moving forward, from now on, you should keep a keen eye whenever you're looking for things to watch for. Whenever you're realizing, hey, this is a lopsided game, what can still keep me interested? It's those two right there. Because I think that they're both going to be very good NBA players in this league. It's a question of, can you afford to have them both on the same roster? Because those are pretty redundant skill sets and pretty redundant players. So in general, those are these are going to be two very good NBA players. But are they very good matches and very good compatibility-wise with the same roster and with the same group of players at one time. So that's something to watch for moving forward. I think JRE was good. I'd still give Roby the slight edge. I think he played a little bit better on Monday, especially defensively, but that's to be expected. It's not a knock on JRE. He's a rookie. He's still learning the team concepts and the team defense, but this was a very fun game. The small ball lineup again is very interesting and it's going to cause you to rip your hair out at points on defense whenever you're watching this team. But remember, it's a part of the plan. They're growing and the scoreboard does not really matter this year, but Lou Dort was jaw droppingly great. And he was incredible. He was fun to watch. He was on fire, literally on fire. Well, not literally, but still on fire in this game from beyond the arc. We'll talk about that coming up. But first I'm going to say right now, but our good friends over at the sleeper app, listen, fantasy basketball is getting started and you're going to want to be a part of it. Now here's the problem though. Every year you like me, Sit down right before the year and you say, you know what? This is my year. I'm going to play fantasy basketball. I'm going to win the league. I'm going to keep up with it all year long. And then inevitably by Thanksgiving, you, you're lost. You're done with the busy work. You don't have time anymore. You can't fit in your schedule anymore. And you're losing simply because you're not doing the daily busy work. You could have the roster that's the best tippity top in the league, but because you do not have time to sit there every morning and navigate your roster, you're losing the game. You can make this more like fantasy football where it's a once a week issue for you with the sleeper app. They have a new game picks mode and a new game picks league where you on Sunday at the start of the week, you label, okay, which game, if I draft Shea, 
which game for Shea this week do I want to count? And you can only count one game for your starters. So you got to make it a good one. It takes strategy. I need to figure out, okay, who do I think Shea will play the best against this week in this lineup? Make sure you're over there on Sleeper app. It makes it so much easier and so much more fun to follow along with fantasy basketball. It's easy. It's fun and more strategic. It's more beneficial for bragging rights even because you can say, hey, look, I'm truly better than you at fantasy basketball. Go to Sleeper app right now and check it out and then join a league yourself in the game picks category. Listen, the football season is here. More importantly, the NBA season is here. And a lot of you are scrambling to try to find out how to get Bali Sports Oklahoma. Let me ask you something. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game on your phone, another device that lets you sit there and stream your favorite shows. You've got sport highlights going over here, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for all the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle, and a great way is finally here to get your TV together, and it's DirecTV Stream. It brings you live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. This means no more juggling remotes and no more buying more devices ever again. The best part is there's no annual contract. Get rid of the clutter and the confusion. Get your TV together at DirecTV Stream. More on that at DirecTV.com. That's DirecTV.com. Make sure you go there right now and talk about DirecTV Stream. Compatible devices required. Content varies by package. And one of these packages called the Choice Pack will give you Bali Sports Oklahoma via streaming. So go check it out. DirecTV Stream with DirecTV.com. We are back on Locked On Thunder Podcast, on Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. Thank you for making us your first listen every single morning. We're here for you every day. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts from. Leave a review, leave a like, and even on our new YouTube platform. So you can go subscribe over there as well. I want to get back to the show with right now and talk about Lou Dort because Lou Dort was immaculate. And I think it's fair that Thunder fans should have even been a little worried this offseason. Hey, you know what? Was last year's three-point shooting kind of a fluke from Lou Dort? Is he really going to be that much, you know, that much better and that much more improved? I mean, you look at his corner three numbers and they were fantastic and very encouraging. And then even his percentages were better than what they show just flatly in the box score because a lot of those threes, you're not going to ask him to do under normal circumstances and in normal roster construction. So those kind of weighed down his already much improved average from three. And so there was a lot of kind of cautiously optimistic Thunder fans about Ludort's three-point shooting. And then tonight, after playing very well from three on Monday, he does it again. Once again, he kills it from beyond the arc. He wins the Thunder Moneyball, as I predicted on Friday. He went berserk in the first quarter. He goes four for six from beyond the arc, including a deep three, including a three where he's heavily contested and some wide open ones as well. Four for six from beyond the arc, 19 points in this game, one rebound and one assist. He was awesome in every facet of the game. Look, he's already one of the best defensive players in the NBA. Now, some could argue the best perimeter defender in the NBA. Adding this offensively where he is taking tough shots and hitting tough shots and he's able to continue to facilitate an offense. And then also he had some nice drives in this game, including a finish at the rim, which he was awful at last year. Even as we kind of get caught up last year in his offensive improvement, that was one area where he was just dreadful was finishing at the rim. He had a couple of good drives, a great finish at the rim today. 
he was all around a great basketball player today. So it's fascinating to see how his game can continue to improve and how his game can continue to kind of mature. Because I think that sometimes whenever you're cycling through young guys so quickly, we kind of put Lou Dort in a box where, oh, he's 22. He's been here uh, for a while now, already two years now into his third year. We know what Lou Dort's going to be. Let's move on to Josh Giddy. What's he going to be? Let's move on to Trey Mann. What's he, what, he's, what is he going to be? Whenever these guys aren't done growing yet, like these guys aren't done finishing their development yet. And so I'm not saying that Lou Dort can become a, an amazing Hall of Fame two-way player, uh, but I'm not, not saying that, right? Like he's, he's going to still improve. And when you consider the fact that he can shoot plus 35% from three and lock down the best in the world on the other end, what does that combination look like in three years or four years whenever he's done developing and kind of into his prime of his playing career? It, it's interesting. I, I'm not going to make grandstanding predictions on that, but he's at least going to be one of the best three and D players of all time, because simply being plus league average from three and then being one of the best ever defensively is going to get you that landmark of being one of the best three and D players we've seen. Now let's move on to Josh Giddy. Had a phenomenal game Monday, cut all the headlines Monday and then played very well today. The thing about today was that he was not on ball as much as I wanted him to be. And I say that selfishly because I want to see the Josh Giddy highlights, but from a basketball standpoint and just strategically, he played very well off ball. I was pleasantly surprised by how well he moved off the ball, how well he relocated, and how he just seemingly fit in perfectly. When the ball came off the rim, he was there. Whenever somebody needed a bailout pass, he was there for them. Whenever someone needed a, a cut, that way they can get out of trouble because they picked up the dribble too soon, he was there for them. Like He was just kind of always in the correct spot and always moving and always helping kind of free up somebody, either himself or somebody else, with his motion on offense. Something that that second unit lacked a lot was someone who can relocate like that. And so I was happy with the way that Josh Giddy played off the ball. I think that he's a step above that than what we could have expected from a guy who admits he's never played with another guard before. He's never played in that role uh, all that often, even as he's played in professional basketball. So I was impressed with how far he is along in that department already. However, when he's sharing the floor with non-SGA level guards, everyone would prefer he is the lead guard every single time down the floor because he, what he can do is special. His vision is special. He had a great spinning finish in the post with that SGA kind of scoop layup thing. Uh, he had a beautiful thread of the needle pass that goes right past Giannis into a wide open Jerry three. And I think that Jerry of course missed that shot, but it was still a beautiful pass from Josh Giddy. He played very well in this game. I, I think that the small ball defense is interesting with Josh Giddy specifically because he's six, nine. And so you saw moments where he was having to leave a corner shooter in this case, Grayson Allen and stand in the paint for the majority of the possession defensively. And you can realize why, because again, he's one of the tallest defenders on the floor. So like, of course he's going to try to pack the paint whenever the team in Milwaukee has been just living down there. Uh, and it does again, go back to rotations. Cause if he leaves the corner, somebody has got to help him out. That way they go to the corner and he can go back up top and recover from being in the paint for that way. So seeing him play defense was very, very fun. He had a fantastic closeout wrapping around a screen Had a fantastic closeout where he just had his hand right in the face of a shooter without fouling, which was a bang, bang thing where if he just went another step forward would have fouled him. He paused at the right time while fighting over a screen, contested the shot greatly, and the shot goes in. Just He nailed the shot, but that's going to happen. This league is full of elite players where you can play all the great defense you want to. You can play textbook great defense, and the shot's going to go in sometimes. But still, Giddy's defense was very good. Uh, his 
offense was good. There's a lot of good about Josh Giddy, even as he's not kind of that dazzling player uh, that he was in his debut, or, or that his debut cut all of those uh, highlight plays, of course. There was still a lot to take from this game. But the Thunder overall, you're not going to win very many games whenever you let the Bucks shoot 80% from the floor of the first quarter. Uh, the, the Bucks were awesome. I mean, I mean, they were just a championship-level team. They had fantastic ball movement. They look like they have not missed a step at all. At one point, they went on a 24 to one run in this game. They finished with 81 points in the first half. Their lowest percentage shot on the floor was a top of the key three, which they shot at a 52% clip. Like the Bucks are incredibly awesome, folks. Like they're going to be a heck of a basketball team, even as they just want a title and people kind of keep praising the Nets and Lakers and everything else. The Bucks are still very, very, very good. This, this league and this season will be so much fun. I cannot wait to finish uh, the preseason and get into the regular season and see how it all unfolds. Now, SGA, he was awesome today. This was what we were talking about that SGA, what we wanted to see. He was gassing at Charlotte. He admits as much. Uh, and you could tell this is a guy who got his feet wet in Charlotte, had a week off to prepare and adjust and, and kind of get physically ready again. And on Sunday, all things considered, and if you consider the Bucks' length, you consider the teammates he was playing with, you consider his stat line. He had a great game in this one. And some of the moves he pulled off was just hilarious. We'll talk about what's new about his moves and so much more coming up about SGA. But first, I want to tell you right now, we're good friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar's a fantastic protein bar. It tastes just like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15. Get 15% off of your next order. They have cherry, cherry barcia, raspberry, coconut, mint brownie, double chocolate brownie, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, and German chocolate. My favorite flavor of Built Bar is cookies and cream. I love them so much. If you do not want to believe me, though, well, I'm hurt by that a little bit, but you can go ahead and order a mixed box. The mixed box gives you two of every flavor. You try them all out and then reorder the flavor you love the most. It's simple. It's easy. It's fun. 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four grams of net carbs. It's all tasty, all healthy, all great flavors. Try them today. BuiltBar.com. Promo code LOCK15, 15% off your next order. It's the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. That's very, very cool. BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCK15, 15% off of your next order. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back on Locked On Thunder Podcast, on Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I want to tell you right now, thank you for making us your first listen every single morning. We're here for you every single day, recapping the Oklahoma City Thunder basketball season and day-to-day busy work of the Thunder. Now make your second listen, Locked On Fantasy Basketball with Josh Lloyd. It's the number one fantasy basketball podcast in the world. That way you're prepared for your fantasy basketball drafts in the future. There's still, though, so much to talk about right here. Let's start with SGA. He had been clearly working on that low post game all off season per his Instagram and his social media and his videos he posted. Like, that was clearly a point of emphasis for him. And it showed. He had a phenomenal spinning low post jumper over Giannis. It was weird. It was funky. It was fun. He also had a weird 
Euro step that was like an inside out Euro step at the rim that he started the restricted area. Like I've never seen somebody start a, a Euro step that late before and still convert it fluidly. It, he is just jaw dropping. And then not to mention the step back three he had. Uh, just all things considered, maybe whenever you factor in how the defenses can key on him, when you factor in this defense that's so lengthy and so good and so athletic, it's amazing that he's able to put up 12 points, six assists, a steal, a rebound on 50% shooting from the floor. Whenever you package all that together, SGA is just a great basketball player, and there's no other way to put it. He should be an all-star. Hopefully, we can get that done, voting him into the all-star game, uh, and he'll get there, of course, on merit because he's just so good. Now, Mamadi played first quarter minutes. He played a lot today. He's a very fascinating player. Six points, two rebounds, 60% from the floor. Now, as I've said before, for him to make the team, somebody has to not make the team, which would be in this case, most likely, Gabriel Deck. To me, um, he's the easiest way to, he's the easiest person to move on from if you're going to add somebody to this roster. And I don't see the, the vision with Gabriel Deck. And I've said this before, I'll say it again. He's the kind of the one guy in the Thunder roster. I don't really get why he's here. I don't get what the Thunder have planned for him. I don't get how he fits into the future role. Is he just simply going to continue to play good basketball until he's traded? I don't know what the Thunder envisioned for Gabriel Deck. The only thing I know about Gabriel Deck is that he's a good basketball player, like a very good role player. He's great overseas. He's good in the Olympics setting, and he's very good in the NBA as a role player. But his play style is kind of old school and doesn't really fit the modern Thunder. His age is up there, all things considered. I don't know what the Thunder see in him or want from him. So it's hard to make these kind of sweeping judgments on who they should cut, who they shouldn't cut, whenever that's kind of the missing piece. I kind of feel like I know the general idea for other players, but for Gabriel Deck, I have no idea what they're thinking. Just no idea. I, I couldn't even guess. Um, for me personally, if I was running the team, which luckily for everyone else, I'm not running the team. That would be a disaster. I cannot be an NBA GM, I don't think. But only on 2K I could, but not in real life. Now, what I would do is I would wave Gabriel Deck and then keep Mamadi. I think there's a more fascinating player, more upside, and kind of fits more with the Thunder and what they want to do. Because my thing is, in all likelihood, neither one of these players, Gabriel Deck or Mamadi, will be on this Thunder team whenever they want to win a championship, whenever they have put together their roster that they feel like can compete for a title. In my opinion, neither one of these guys will be there most likely. Who has the better percent chance to kind of overcome that and actually be there? Whenever they want to win a title, to me, it's Mamadi. While I think right now, Gabriel Dex is a much better player, like much better. I just don't see a path for this guy to hang around and play that style with a team in Oklahoma City that wants to win a championship. Whereas Mamadi's style, if it can hit and you can develop it and you can kind of cultivate it, it could be somebody who could play in the NBA postseason and be somebody who can help you out to win a, ch- a championship. That's the way I look at it. And so it's interesting these early minutes and, and deck doesn't play at all. And Roby doesn't play at all. But again, it's just so hard right now to predict um, and kind of guess or, or go out there and, and stake your claim to, yeah, he's going to for sure make the team because of just the moving parts and logistics of him trying to make the team would mean you've got to wave somebody unexpected. And who would that end up being? The most likely option would be deck. But I, I think ultimately they still wave Mamadi, DJ Wilson and Rob Edwards. And then that's your roster for the thunder moving forward. Uh, Pokushevsky, not great again, had a sidestep, step back, just throw. He just got, just threw it at the basket. Didn't really shoot it, just threw it. That went off the side of the backboard, had an air ball from the corner. Um, it wasn't 
awful besides those two low lights, you know, in this game, but also wasn't great. Um, I, I don't want to say took a step back at all. Uh, it's just two kind of meaningless preseason games. Um, I think that you can see flashes and the non stats where he's using his body better than he did last year. I think it's kind of an adjustment period of him kind of playing with a different lineup and different players, uh, but two not so good games, but this is kind of the trajectory of Poco. Like you're going to have some lulls. You're also going to have a week where he puts up 10, 15, 20 points in a week and it'll feel really good and feel like maybe the Thunder have cracked this kind of uh, mythical code of, of getting one of these incredible young talents. The lineup of Josh Giddy, Ty Jerome, Trey Mann, Mamadi, and Poku was a very, very weird lineup. I'm not sure that we'll see that again, but it was very fun for the meaning time. Uh, although fun is kind of subjective, of course, but it was not a very good lineup. Darius Baisley was a bit more aggressive tonight, still passed up some open threes, and I'm not sure what that's about because Baisley seems like this supremely confident person. And there were some times where I thought, hey, this guy, he can – he can get off his shot right here and then he just kind of passes it back in to a even more contested post player and doesn't want the shot. I don't know. I don't know what it is about his three point shot that he doesn't like. He still had some really good drives in this game, had some really good three point shots in this game. Maybe he actually did take the three point shot, but he still passed up, you know, maybe two shots where I thought you could have for sure got it off. And then one where I thought, eh, I wouldn't have been mad at you. You know, I, I understand why you didn't shoot it, but I wouldn't have been mad at you if he did. Like kind of those type of things where we we're just kind of searching for ways that, Baisley can get more aggressive in this kind of sphere. But all in all, played a good game. He, he got some good-looking threes. He had eight points, four rebounds on 60%, 60% shooting from the floor. Aaron Wiggins denied the same stat lines he did uh, on Monday, of course. He started in the second half and played a lot more. Uh, he only scored three points, two rebounds, a steal, and a turnover. I still think that Aaron Wiggins is going to have a role in this team long-term. I think that they invested him in the draft. Uh, they signed him to a two-way deal immediately. They're going to send him to the blue and he'll play there for a long time this season. And then at the end of the year, he'll play more with the thunder and earn his way onto the roster in terms of the actual NBA active roster and get a real NBA contract. Uh, the biggest takeaway or the biggest thing that should kind of give you a sigh of relief. Cause most of this does not really matter, but Trey man looked way more comfortable. And I say that as a good thing because with Trey man, I know the kind of skill set he has. So just him looking comfortable is a great thing that as a you know, 20 year old or 19 year old, whatever he is, 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 I think he's 20 years old. As a 20 year old, he's able to kind of develop himself in a matter of six days where you just look like a totally different person. He is 20 years old. He'll be 21 in February from Monday to, to Sunday. He looked like a supremely different person with immense amount of confidence. And he shoots five shots from three gets those jumpers off. He only goes one for five. And I don't care. I could care less the percentages from, from Trey man this year. I know Trey man can shoot the basketball. I know Trey Mann can hit threes and hit threes at a massive clip. So if he shoots this year 25% from three, I don't care one bit. I want to. I want him to get as many shots as he can, and the Thunder do as well. I want to get as many shots as he can of just seeing what works. He, he's a small player. He'll have to adjust to the different sizes in the NBA, the speed of the NBA. He's adjusting to so much that the only way that he can get better is not being conservative and saying, oh, this might ruin my three-point percentage, it's by just seeing, okay, can I get my shot this fast or this quick? Or if a guy's at the elbow and I'm at the top of the key, does he have enough time to gain on me before I can get my shot off? Like tinkering with those little things and figuring out when and where and why to shoot the ball is way more important than if the shot goes in or not. It's about the process more so than the result for Trey Mann this year. I think that 
shooting five times today was great. Even though he makes one, I know the kind of shooter he is. He's going to be a very good three-point shooter. And what, what matters is how can he develop that? How can he get into that? And you get into that by taking shots and seeing what works and doesn't work. So you should be very happy with Trey Mann's game today, uh, even as it's only 9.6 rebounds. Very impressive for the rebounds for his size. The steal and assist. Uh, overall, though, still a very, very good game from Trey Mann. Now, with the Thunder, they played Rob Edwards, played DJ Wilson, didn't play Paul Watson Jr. The rotations are weird. They're wacky. I think that Paul Watson Jr. kind of falls into that same category of here's a guy that I think that we kind of know his outlook. His outlook's a 3 and D player, and he's just to prove that he can be a solid three-point shooter again this year. He can't really add to his game. I think that with DJ Wilson and Rob Edwards, you're just kind of rewarding them for great weeks of practice, and that's kind of it. Maybe they can surprise and join the team. But ultimately, again, I think that this roster is almost set in stone, uh, all things considered. The Moneyball pick was Lou Dort. Lou Dort was correct. So if you tweeted in Lou Dort, you are correct. I also got this one right. He goes four for six from beyond the arc. The MVP of the game, let's give it to Lou Dort because of just his barrage of threes that everyone loved to watch at the start of the game. Why not? It's preseason, and it doesn't really matter. Although, there's still some great takeaways as we laid out today. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore styles for more updates for the thunder. Make sure you subscribe to watch on thunder on YouTube and any of your podcasting platforms for the podcast every single day. And thank you for making locked on thunder. Your first listen every single day, make sure that you listen to it every single morning on your way to work or at work, whatever you do. Just make sure you listen to locked on thunder every single day. But now for your second listen, go check out locked on fantasy basketball. They'll get you set for the fantasy season for your third listen. If you're going to kind of plan ahead, listen to locked on WNBA women's basketball. It's fin- It's fantastic. They're in the files in the, in the WNBA. Get caught up on that as well. We've got you all covered here on the lockdown podcast network, your teams every day. And until next time, be good and be good to one another. You are locked on thunder. Your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.